Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. Ephesians 2.1. I'm just going to start by reading this. And you, he made what? What's alive mean? Not dead. (laughs) Who were dead. So you, he made alive, who were dead. But we all know we weren't like physically dead, but we were dead. This is what this states. This is the state of man before Jesus becomes part of your life, is that, is, that, is that you are dead. And I'm going to explain more about how we're dead. But we're dead in our trespasses and sins, in which, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Again, we believe in this supernatural aspect of life where there is good and evil wrestling. There are demonic forces that disguise themselves as angels of light to try to confuse man, blind man, encourage them to live in rebellion, but yet they think what they're living is good. And so, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You see... He's speaking to those that have received Jesus Christ and the reality of who they were before and who they were after. You know, fulfilling the lust of our flesh, meaning this following what our flesh says, and that means our basic instincts, instincts that are removed from the will of God, right? So if that's all you have, really all you really have are sinful, selfish desires that are opposed to the creator, and this is the state that you're living in. It doesn't mean that every single one of these people were murderers and adulterers. They were just people separated from the creator, from God, who were living according to their own standards, but ultimately were dead. So we now have the hope of being alive because we now have connected again relationally to our father through Jesus His spirit is in us, and now we have a helper that leads us according to what? Righteousness, the will of God. Now, would any of you say that you have this down perfectly? Would any of you say that maybe every now and then the lust of the flesh kind of can creep up on you and you give in to them? (laughs) Not a lot of... (laughs) This is what we have to look at because last week we talked about testimony and the power of our testimony because the power of our testimony lies within our transformation and that it's a visible representation of the goodness of Jesus. But we also have to look at the fact that our testimony shouldn't just be a past event. Our testimonies should always be growing. Our testimonies should always be a present reality, meaning I'm still changing. I'm still 
changing. I'm alive, yes, but there's parts of me that are still kind of dead. Because I want all of us to understand who likes to be challenged. Yeah, some of us do, some of us don't. Any coaches in here? Anyone that's been, ever been a coach or a teacher, you know, director? You see, there's always that fine line of, you know, encouraging people where they are and saying, good job, good job, good job. Yes, you got it, you got it. But you always want to continue to push your people to get better and better and better, right? Good coaches don't settle. Good coaches see something that is in the person and desire to pull that out. So there's confirmation saying, man, that's really good. Great job. You're getting it. Awesome. But man, let's begin to move here. There's a whole nother level. We all have to look at within ourselves and say, have we tapped out and said, my testimony's done. My walk is finished. My transformation is complete. Because what we need to look at is that it's not complete. And more importantly, when it says we were dead, see, the Bible gives a lot of different illustrations and examples of what that death before Christ looks like. And so the more we understand what it looked like, the more we can understand and look at ourselves and say, all right, Lord, what parts of me do you still want to work on like right now? Because who would say, just be totally honest, who would say there's parts of you that you know God needs to work on? Please, does everyone raise your hand? And if you're not, we need to talk about pride (laughs) and disillusionment. (laughs) So, first of all, let's look at Hebrews 10. Verse 11, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This points to the truth that in Christ we have been perfected forever through the blood of Jesus because his blood has washed away our sins and given us the confidence of right standing before God the Father. But yet, God, Jesus, know enough that we ain't perfect. And so sanctification means setting apart. Setting apart. It's taken us that were of the world, of the ways of the world, of the thinking of the world, the behaving of the world, the understanding of the world. We receive Jesus. We are forgiven. And now begins this journey of pulling us apart, setting us apart from all that we understood, right? But we have to look and say, how much have we been set apart in our understanding, in our functioning, in our thinking, in our believing, in our our feeling? You see, there's parts of us that God is still at work. We have to look at that. I don't want this to be a place where we just keep filling ourselves with knowledge, but never look at ourselves. Because there's so much more. And when I read stories like about a church in Iran, I realize the power of God is still very real to transform people to the point where they don't 
care about their own lives, but more about how they live it for Jesus at the risk of losing it. That's transformation. Now, one way death is described is blindness. Okay? Blindness. 2 Corinthians 4.3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has what? Who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who? Jesus Christ. So we need to look at this. Just because we are on the other side and have received the revelation of the truth of Jesus, what we're going to see, it does not mean that we don't have blind spots. Those that are rejecting it are completely blind to the truth because they've been blinded by the ways of the culture. So they can't see it. We can still be subject to this blindness if we're not careful. Because sanctification is a constant enlightenment of the light, of the glory of Jesus Christ. We do not have a full picture yet of his glory, of who he is. We do not have it. Paul would often pray that the eyes of their heart would be opened, that the eyes of their understanding would be opened to the love, to the glory of God, to Jesus Christ. And he was praying this for a church that were believers in a very difficult time, but yet Paul still knew there's more. Do you all believe that there is more to see when it comes to Jesus? Do you really believe it? Okay. (laughs) Because we say it, but functionally, are we pursuing it? Because simple understanding is one thing, but revelation, revelation is a whole different ballgame. Because there's some that have the knowledge and that have received Jesus, but never had the glory of God revealed to them. They have not had the love of Christ revealed to them. And it is hard to love back purely if you have not had the revelation of God's love here first. Because we love because he first loved us. But if we are blind to that love, it's a very empty walk. It's religion. It's religion. And without realizing it, slowly it becomes all about us. But when we experience the love of Jesus, our eyes are open to new depths of his love. What happens is, I don't care about anything except serving you. Paul would often say, this was my goal. is to live a life even unto death. Death. 
for my Savior, to be conformed into his image, even unto death. This is what happens when the Spirit of God reveals himself to you in the love of Jesus Christ. It's like, I have nothing else to give but my life. But yet, we're in a culture where I think it's like it's become a part of who we are, right? It's a good part, but yet we still want to keep all of this because so much of this gives us so much life and light and goodness, right? And for some reason, the magnitude of this does not compare to the magnitude of the love of Christ because it hasn't been fully revealed yet because we've stopped at some level. When I say we, I'm not just saying, I'm just saying in general, So we have to say, is there a veil over our hearts in some areas? Look at 2 Corinthians 3.12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. And just real quick, he's referring to when (laughs) Moses received the Ten Commandments on uh, top of Mount Sinai. And as he came down, his face was radiant because he had spent time in the presence of God. His face was just full of light. (laughs) He was reflecting the glory of God. And then the Israelites were scared to get by him, to get around him. It was that much of a transformation And so he put a veil on his face. But what Paul points out here, it wasn't to hide the glory, but it was to hide the fact that it was fading. It was fading. See, in the old, you see, it wasn't a permanent state. There was no Holy Spirit within. And so it was a passing glory. It was a fading glory. But what we're going to see is as our eyes are open more and more to the glory of God, our face should shine from glory to glory, that the shine shouldn't go away. The shine shouldn't go away. If anything, it should get brighter and brighter and brighter. There is no veil needed. But yet, I have a feeling many of us, the shine has gone bye-bye. We say, man, I wish it was like that. Remember that time? Oh, I love that, that season back here. And it's like, well, it's still possible. How do I know this? Well, I'm going to prove it to you through the Bible. Verse 14. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away only in Christ. Meaning in Christ only can you see the truth of God, the glory of God. He's saying the unbelievers are still blinded. There's still a veil over their hearts. They can't see the truth of Jesus. Even in the Old Testament that testifies to Jesus, they can't see it. It's only taken away in Christ. Your blindness is taken away in Christ. And he goes on to say, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is what? It's taken away. 
Now, the Lord is a spirit, and with the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty, and that liberty refers to the freedom of access we have to the presence of God, meaning we can be like Moses approaching freely the throne of God, the presence of God, and be changed. Changed. This states that we cannot help but be changed in the presence of God and the revelation of who he is. If we're not changing, if we're not changing, that means we need some enlightenment. We need it. We need it first for us and then we need it first, second for the world. (laughs) How's your shine? But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror in the as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image of Jesus from what glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord this is the promise this is the new This is what differentiates the old covenant from the new covenant. It's the access to the father that we have because of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through who? No one comes to, he pretty much was being very specific. If you want God, you have to come through me. Period. There was no asterisk. So I think a lot of us have that down, but how often are we giving ourselves the opportunity to be radically changed by the presence of God through his word, through so many, I don't, there's a lot of different ways, but we have to say, Lord, I need more revelation of you. Help me see you in your word because the word is living, right? The word is living. And if it's not living, if, if, if the reality of Jesus is, has ceased to really make an impact on your life, you have to be aware of that, recognize it, say, all right, Scripture says <laughs> that he can be revealed to me, that I can grow in this knowledge. And so the question remains, do you want it? That's a hard question. Like, is it like, do you want it? Do you want to grow? And growing doesn't mean doing. Because your doing comes from a place of being. So how's your being? Because the world system says, if you do and do and do, see, then you're good. That gives me my sense of good and well-being. Right? But all that is futile without Jesus. So we have the conviction and the confidence to say, I'm a child of God. I came in perfect, and He accepted me and received me. Above all else, I am a child of God who loves me. And that love is so transformed me that I want to obey him because that is how he says, if you love me, obey my commandments because my commandments are life. Are life. So, how's your shine? 
How are you right now? Do you believe that there is more to understand and be revealed when it comes to your Savior, Jesus? Are you tired of living the way that you're living? Or are you very content? Because if you're content, when things start to stir up and changes even start to happen, you can get very grumpy. All of us. Because, you're me- because it's like the changes are messing with your comfort, but Jesus didn't call us to comfort. He called us to obedience and to growth and to transformation. And so he will always use our circumstances first to bring the light of his glory to us if we allow it. And so all of us are growing together. How's your shine? Therefore, Ephesians 1.15 I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not, give, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. No more blindness. And maybe you're not blind. Maybe it's like 2400 vision. I don't know. It's like it's, it's there, but it's, it's not clear. And he is praying for believers that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That's only through the spirit of God that that can happen. That you may know, here it is, that you may know, all of us together, that you may, what is the hope of What? You see what he wants it for? The hope of his calling. Woo! A lot of us find hope in the fact that he can help. And that he can protect and that he can do a lot of things. But this is saying he wants our eyes of our understanding enlightened so we can know the hope of his calling. The hope of being a disciple to follow him, meaning it is hope beyond hope. But I think the idea of being a disciple is more burdensome than a source of hope. So that means we have to have our eyes opened to the glory of God, to the glory of Jesus and what it means. So if your walk is a burden... If your walk is something that you're doing to gain favor with your Lord, you've missed it. If your whole walk is driven, I want to walk this way so that I don't lose it, you've missed it. You've missed it. Because when your eyes are open, there's a hope of the calling, and hope moves you forward, right? What are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Wow. Anyone excited? It's all right. You got to take it in. But again, what we do with this is up to us, right? What we do. And if I, I wish I could just give you what. All right. Here's step A and B and C. But we're all at different places. We all have different backgrounds, different history, different circumstances, different experiences. You see, God knows where you are. We have to begin to give him a time and say, Lord, this light's out for me right now. I need help. 
Ephesians 3.14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of whose glory? His glory, to be strengthened with might through his, whose spirit? Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know what? The love of Christ, which passes what? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That passes knowledge, but yet he gives it dimension so it can be known. You see, he gives it. I want you to know the width and the height and the length. I want you to know it. But right now you need the Holy Spirit because those dimensions defy your own understanding. You need the Spirit of God to reveal, reveal his love. You need it. Look at what he's praying about. You need, we, all, we all need this. Because when you get it, it affects how you see everything. It affects how you see his church. It affects how you see the leaders. It affects how you see one another. It affects how you see your family. It affects how you walk. You see, when the love of Christ is so illuminated, I'm telling you, it changes everything. And Paul knew that. So his prayer got back to the gospel that they would understand the love of Christ. Because it's the love of Christ that brought them to the cross, which is a demonstration of that love. But the love that was demonstrated is so much bigger. You see? It's so much bigger. It was revealed through the cross, but we have no idea the magnitude of the love that was behind that. And when we get that, it humbles you, it breaks you. Our testimony isn't finished. Your story isn't finished. And it says this, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to whose purpose? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that... He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. God's sole intention is to conform you into the image of his son. It's to save you. Because eternity matters. There's only one of two places. That's... An inconvenient truth. It's hard to swallow. It's alarming. It's difficult. But God wanted it to be. (laughs) He wanted it because it's the truth. And so God is working from an eternal perspective that says, first of all, I want to get you into my kingdom. And that only happens through me, right? That only happens through me. But once you're in, I'm going to begin to conform you into the image of Jesus which is the ultimate image to be conformed into because he was a perfect, he was God. He exemplified what it was to walk, to walk as God in 
this world. <laughs> so where are you in all this? And that, you see, this is a, these, are one of, these messages are so good because it hopefully gets you thinking. Hopefully it gets you thinking. It got me thinking. Just reading that article got me thinking. Going, look, I mean, come on, look what we're focused on in America, and look what they're focused on in Iran. You see, the gospel thrives in oppression. But I dare say, if you do not have the revealed glory of God within you, if you don't really understand, when oppression comes, you're going to scatter. See, this is preparation, because I dare say things are going to get worse. You know the political climate? That's all predicted. It's only going to get worse. Just read the end. Read, read Revelation. Just know it's going to get worse. Our hope is not in man. Our hope is not in government. And it does not mean that you do not vote according to your convictions to try to keep this country a place where this can be expressed freely. But I'm telling you, there are forces that are trying to get this Ability squashed and you fight for it. But you know what? If you lose it, you're still a disciple. So that comes first. We have to be ready, you all. We have to be, I mean, this, this is like a warning. We have to be ready because difficult times are coming. They're coming. Our liberty is being taken away, but it can't be. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> They could say they're taking away your liberty, but just look at Iran. You can take my life, but you can't take my eternity. It's a wake-up call. It's a come on. Let's get excited. Let's get in these classes. And this is not like an advertisement for classes. (laughs) But it should help. Can we give him two hours? Yes. Yes, thank you. Can we give him two hours on a Sunday? Can we give him two hours on a Sunday? Even if the Broncos are playing at 11? (laughs) Just saying. We do attendance predictions and it's always around, oh, Broncos are playing at 11. Ain't nobody going to be here. And they're horrible. Why do you even want to watch them anyway? (laughs) Oh, I love you guys. (laughs) You all. God's going to lead us in this. This isn't condemning. It's convicting. There's room to grow. Let's pursue growth above all things. It's our only hope, amen? All right, Jesus, thank you so much for, wow. Your word, Lord, the promise of your transformation, the promise, Lord, of your love that meets us right where we are. Lord, that there's nothing that we cannot bring before you, Lord, no matter how far we've fallen, how far we've drifted, Lord. Your grace has sealed us, has protected us, Lord, and your patience is everlasting. Lord, I pray that there's a confidence in all of us to boldly approach your throne of grace to receive help. And our need is real. Our need is for you. Jesus, I pray that the spirit, your spirit, Lord, would reveal this morning to all of us the reality of your love. 
the reality of your love. Because that is what Paul prayed for. Is that our eyes would be open to the reality of your love. Jesus, I pray for every heart. Wherever there's a veil, Lord, that it would be removed by your spirit. It would remove that veil, Lord, and that for the first time, some of us are hearing the words, I love you, for the, like, like we've never heard it from you. That you are pleased with us. Because we are covered by your blood, and we are your children. Lord Jesus, I love you. We love you. We thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your cross. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your blood, Lord, that was spilled and shed for us, Jesus. Lord, forgive us where we've looked at you upon that cross, hanging there, beaten, Lord, bleeding, torn to shreds, and we're like, that's not enough. We need to do something. Lord, it is enough, and we receive it. We thank you, Lord, that you paid that price. For each of us, Lord, it was a personal price. Knowing all that we would go through. Knowing all the sin. All the sin of this world, Lord, you knew and went willingly. So you could give hope to all of mankind. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. That's russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I dot com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.